This is The Takeaway. I'm Tanzina Vega. And on Monday, my first day hosting the show, we kicked off a series of conversations about identity in this country, conversations about how we define ourselves and how we think about ourselves as Americans. And it sparked a lot of reaction from you, our listeners, and many of you brought up the issue of class. Broke. Privileged. Middle class. Poor. I'm in the top 5% of income earners, so there was an American dream, no longer. Working class. You hear that last one? Working class. Well, I think it's really important that we keep in mind that this is a term that's always been politicized and subject to debate, and it's changed dramatically over time. I think in the sort of in the simplest way, I think we can use the term uh, to mean people who survive by selling their labor as opposed to people who own productive capital. William Jones is a professor of history at the University of Minnesota and author of The March on Washington, Jobs, Freedom, and the Forgotten History of Civil Rights. And he says that we've been getting this label wrong for almost as long as we've been using it. In many ways, the term working class has become a shorthand for a white male industrial worker. And I think there's two problems with that conception. One is it's outdated, that we um, live in an economy that has shifted dramatically from manufacturing uh, to a service economy. The typical worker in the United States is somebody who works in the service sector, probably in a sort of caring or a cleaning position, probably a woman, probably non-white, an immigrant. So in that sense, the t- way in which we conceive of the working class, and particularly when we associate it with a white male industrial worker, it's outdated. But it's also, in many respects, never actually been an accurate image of what the working class was. Uh, in the 1950s and 60s, which was the peak of manufacturing in the United States, only about one in three wage workers actually worked in manufacturing. The rest worked in agriculture and in services, even then. And The working class, or specifically the white working class, was something that came up in our last political cycle a lot. Were the white working class as an idea or as a group used as a straw man by the media or by the administration in some way? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting moment because in the past really 50 years, uh, the term working class has really fallen out of political debate. So it was pretty striking to see the term reemerge really at the center of political debate. And yes, in some respects, it was used in two ways. One, used as a shorthand for a white male uh, factory worker, or in some respects, a sort of extractive worker, a coal miner. I think it also was a, a way of hearkening to a debate over upward mobility, the sense that the working class was in decline because we've seen the decline of economic mobility and upward mobility for American workers, which reflects a a true trend, a real trend that we've seen uh, since the 1970s. And so that term, I think, became a sort of shorthand for talking about a loss of opportunity for American workers. Or, Or for a very specific set of American workers, because I think that the media narrative around that uh, the white working class was one of empathy, at least initially. And I had really never seen that type of empathy or really broader definition, as you say, extended to uh, working class Americans who happen to be black or brown. Yes. I mean, that's interesting in the way in which I think the sort of the anxiety, the sense that uh, American workers are experiencing a decline is something that is true for American workers across the board. In fact, for non-white uh, workers, for women, that sense of decline is actually more pronounced. I want to take a caller that we had this week. Take a listen to what they had to say. This is Harold from McKinney, Texas. 
when I used to work for a technology company for 35 years, I considered myself middle class. At age 54, I was laid off. And now since then, at age 59, I have not even been offered a full-time job since. And now consider myself older, working class, poor. Is this a trend that we're seeing more of? Are more people falling out of the middle class into the working class? Well, certainly. And I think, you know, this represents this uh, sort of declining prospects, economic prospects for American workers really since the 1970s. And an important part of that is declining access to things like pensions that allow people to have to sort of maintain a certain level of economic security, even when they're out of work. You know, it's interesting that if you if you think about the, the way in which the caller framed uh, his class identity, he became working class when he lost his job. So working uh, was not something that he associated with being working class. In fact, working allowed him to be middle class. Let's listen to another caller. Hi, this is Jason. I'm calling from Minneapolis, Minnesota. My biggest identity that I shape myself as class, I think about it daily. It shapes my financial decisions and how I raise my two young boys. It shapes my perspective in politics. Uh, getting buried in credit card debt seems to be the norm for most middle class families who want a home and have two vehicles and need to get to work. And maintenance and repairs are both crippling as well. Well, do a lot of Americans identify more in terms of class today, like our caller, Jason? Well, I think we have seen a slight uptick in the number of people who identify as working class. But I do think that we've seen, really since the 1970s, the sort of average American has seen their income flatline and really only maintain by working more. So we've seen uh, people take on more jobs. We've seen particularly women increasing their participation in the labor market, which means that Americans are working more since they were in the 1970s uh, and earning uh, less or roughly the same as they would have in the 1970s. And that has increased a sense, I think, of this sort of overall sense of class identity or economic anxiety. Politically speaking, is there the potential for these two groups, the white working class, the black and brown working class, to unify politically and to to move towards some change here? If we look at policies back to the mid-20th century that actually addressed economic security, those types of policies, I think, hold promise today. So things like federal laws that made it easier for people to form unions and bargain collectively, uh, minimum wage laws that actually kept up with the cost of living, which our laws do not do now, um, a robust system of social security, public education and health care. Um, these will help people in the working class find levels of economic security that they've lost since the 1970s. But I think it's also important to keep in mind that those policies in the mid-20th century were applied very unevenly uh, and favored men and favored white workers. So I think it's a matter of, in some ways, learning from the past and building on those models, but making sure that they are not discriminatory and exclusionary in the way in which they uh, were in the past, and I think in the ways in which they you know, have reinforced inequalities that really stay with us today. William Jones is a professor of history at the University of Minnesota and author of The March on Washington, Jobs, Freedom, and the Forgotten History of Civil Rights. William, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. 
I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>